Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. This is your host, C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and I am speaking to you from Southern California. Hi, I'm Stephen G. Fullwood. I am the founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project, and I am coming to you from Harlem, and it's a wonderful Sunday day. Mm. I'm Seth Rodney. I am the opinions editor of Hyperallergic, and I'm coming to you from Newburgh, um, where there's all kinds of activity happening in the building next door, which they are renovating, um, mm. um, which I guess means good stuff for the neighborhood, like more people moving in who can pay rent. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. Um, this is to remind our listeners that we practice a form of what we like to call intellectual intimacy, which is giving each other the space and time to figure out things out loud and together. And we are we've kind of transitioned from uh transitions and are and moving into talking about forgiveness and its various mm. permutations. Uh, in instances of it. Um, and uh, we're continuing the conversation from last week. And I wanted to, um, I wanted to mention, this is not anything to do with forgiveness, but um, uh, someone uh, that does listen to the podcast regularly reached out to me and um, it said, you know, how much they enjoyed the conversation. And so I actually, I listened, the audio quality was pretty bad last week, which I, or I apologize for. Um, but, uh, you know, I went back and I listened to it and I just wanted to say a thank you, uh, to both Steven and Seth. Um, because I don't, it is increasingly clear what a unique space this is. Uh, you know, mm. uh, I, the fact that I, as you know, a, and I'm going to, people aren't going to hear this on air, but I'm, you know, uh, scare quoting, you know, white heteronormative male, uh, am able to push back as forcefully on the topics that I push back on policing, mm -hmm. all the rest of it. Um, and not on everything that I end up on that side of it, but it does seem like that I, I tend to, to occupy those spaces more often than not. Um, and it's just a conversation. It, that's all it ever is. Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's, it's a conversation amongst friends, uh, where we hear each other out. Um, mm -hmm. and that is, uh, that space is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, and there are not a lot of places that, uh, that we could have like open and honest conversations like that without it, mm. without it branding you one particular thing or painting you into a box forever and ever. Mm -hmm. So thanks. You guys are cool. You're, you're very welcome. And yeah. I want to just add a caveat as I would to that <laughs> statement that <laughs> I think there are fewer and fewer intellectual spaces for that in the U.S. Mm -hmm. I think there are plenty of Fair. spaces for having a conversation around like celebrity, having a conversation around people or around events. Uh, I think there's still lots. I think all of the podcast verse, there's lots of that. But for real, like intellectual engagement with issues that are thorny and complicated mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and Difficult. Like, Difficult. Yeah, there's not a lot of room for that. Yeah, that's fair. That's a fair clarification, I think. Um, okay, so uh, forgiveness. Uh, uh, Stephen, uh, I think actually, Seth, you wanted to lead off. Yes, is that right? Well, I, I want to see if I can pick up a thread that I think left was left dangling the last time. And I looked at my notes uh, in between uh, us sort of warming up and, and the intro. And realized that I'd written down a question I don't know that we'd have broached in the last okay. podcast, okay. which is, 
on the heels of Travis's argument that essentially progressive secular uh, culture doesn't have a mechanism for forgiveness. Uh, I I think I'd ask, and, and remind me whether we actually took this up. Do conservative Christians have a mechanism for forgiveness? I mean, I mean a practical one, right? So we know the mm-hmm. rhetorical one, which right. is you know Jesus forgives, therefore I forgive you. Uh, we can sort of meet on the sort of conceptual mm-hmm. uh, plane of this sort of divine notion of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. But practically speaking, U.S. American politics-wise, do conservative Christians ever, as a, I should say as a sort of body, do they ever sort of embody that notion of forgiveness? Because I don't see people, let's take a crude example, I don't see conservative Christians saying, Essentially, well, the election didn't go the way we wanted to. We forgive you, and we're going to move forward with finding a way to live together. No, what they said, essentially, as a body is, we think the election's stolen, and we are going to enact laws to make sure that you don't have nearly the sort of electoral power that you had in the past election on a state-by-state basis. So... um I, it's obviously a very fair question. Um, I, I would probably draw a distinction between what, practically speaking, vote most, even the vast majority of humans do, and Christians, and obviously included in that. So the vast majority of Christians in the United States, particularly we're talking about white evangelical Christians. That's the group right. we're talking about. Right. Um, I, I would say, practically speaking, that you know, all of these examples are great examples of people not exercising any kind of mm-hmm. uh, 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 gesturing towards any kind of forgiveness or reconciliation for sure. I don't necessarily think that means though, that that epistemology does not have mechanisms for enacting forgiveness. So I would still probably stand with my earlier critique that the secular epistemology is just not as robust around this this issue, even though, I mean, what you've brought up though, interestingly, I think is maybe, you know, maybe the Christian part of it isn't, uh, isn't all that helpful depending on the context. Mm, mm. And we have an American problem. Right, <laughs> no, know, fair enough. Um, um, Americans right. are really bad at, at, at doing this no, no, of all stripes. Right. No, no, you know? you're, so, no, you're absolutely right. And what, and I'm, and, and, and I'm glad that you're pointing out the sort of almost falsity of the way I framed up this argument. But I would add to that, yes, it's a much bigger problem, mm-hmm, which yeah. evangelical Christians are a, merely a slice of. But I want to say within that slice, they don't seem to contain the tools. Or a very or, powerful slice. Very I mean. powerful, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. when we're talking about electoral politics and public policy. But even but within that slice of, of the culture, even though they have the rhetorical tools for enacting forgiveness, I don't see it practically happening. And here's, and here's, here's the even sort of worst part of what I'm kind of trying to get at. The people who also call themselves evangelical Christians, the people who were in that church that Dylan Roof shot up, mm-hmm. the people who went to his trial and, and I think rhetorically and convincingly 
forgave mm -hmm. him. They said, mm -hmm. we yes. forgive, you took something away from us that is irreplaceable. Nevertheless, we forgive you. What I want to ask is, what does that do? Like, ultimately, for everyone, like, and I'm really asking, like, what? So, you, okay, so you did that. So you, so you forgave. What mm -hmm. happens now? For the individual, for the, the community. The community okay. at large, yeah. Which ones do you mean? Or what is however we want to, however broad we want to take it or yeah. narrow. I guess Steven, I, you want to jump I, in? And I guess I was thinking that what we discussed last time about the individual, does forgiveness require someone else? You know, the redemption of this other person or an apology mm -hmm. or some recompense. I don't know if that's the right word, but something, right? And I can't, mm -hmm. I was on the, yes, you need to do something. <laughs> now I'm more like, no, you may not. It just, the other, the aggrieved party might have to, it does something, I think, for that person. So maybe they can move on. We talked about this. Mm -hmm. So that they mm -hmm. are not maybe holding it so heavily. This is what mm -hmm. we were talking about before Travis was. And there's mm -hmm. something moving about that that requires, a, dare I say it, a, an evolved mind and heart. Okay. Mm -hmm. And for the community, I think it's always good for the community to see acts of kindness and acts of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, this is not our TikTok crowd. This is not our social media crowd. This is, I mean, people could be in there and, and still get that as well. But I'm thinking that it, it, it needs to be, it always needs to be shown because we see so much of the opposite. Right. You know, earlier on when mm -hmm. um, Travis was saying, you know, there's so few spaces like this, my brain went, because of the din of the social media, of mm -hmm. each and, you know, you know the, my, my feed is a bunch of, you know, <laughs> terrible things have happened to people and continue <laughs> to happen to people. And yeah. then this is not taking the trial and these people get off and, you know, all of that. Right. Mm -hmm. And I go, well, are the, if, if there are conversations like this happening, and I believe that they are, they just don't get any platform. They don't get much news at all. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just not mm -hmm. blasting out. But I like to think that this, this particular space isn't that unique because I meet people who are having conversations like this. But you won't see them on social media. You won't see them, you know, you won't, right. you might see them in a the classroom talking with people, you know, either as professors right. or as students. But there are so many good hearted people mm. who are trying to work their way through this thing. And I'm not saying they're terrible hearted people. I'm just saying I'm thinking people are trying to actually live and be Christian or Muslim or Jewish and really live out their faith, mm -hmm. which is a hard thing to do, I think, based on, mm. you know, the, what they're, what, what I see they're supposed to be doing to be good people, you know, mm -hmm. loving thy neighbor, forgiving this person and that person and moving on. I think that's really hard to do. I think it's so much easier to be a, what do you call it? A, crit a critic, a armchair critic where you're like, no, free Palestine. <laughs> well, what are you doing about free Palestine? Do you even know the situation? Do you know, the, you know, do you know, do you know anything other than what you don't like and why, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think it feeds into a, a horrible situation where it's just a feedback loop of misery. Mm -hmm. So, yes, seeing people forgive other people breaks that, I think. It's an interruption. It's a, it intercepts it to some degree, I think. I think it's good. I think it's good for the community overall. And I'm not sure. I won't say that people go, oh, she forgave such and such. I will forgive somebody, too. It's not that one-to-one -to, -one to me. It's like right. there needs to be demonstrations of this to... Um, Sorry, there's a cat trying to get on my lap. <laughs> <laughs> and he is here. 
He's like, yes. Amsterdam Thelonious. Yeah. He's here, folks. Um, but yeah, so I, I, what I briefly want to say is that having demonstrations of kindness and generosity and love all, are always helpful, regardless if mm. they register in that moment or 10 years later, or, you know, or further down the line or further down the genealogy chart. Yes. Yeah. Well said. Yeah, I'm, I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just w- would say that I totally, I mean, I basically agree with everything St- Stephen just said. Um, the only, the thing, it's not even a qualification on anything he said. It's actually going back to our earlier, uh, our last conversation. And then you brought up the Dylan Roof thing. Mm-hmm. The Another, you know, an important qualification I think to add about that is that, you know, what led off the conversation about forgiveness was kind of how do we deal with it culturally? You know, mm. what does secular culture offer as far yeah. as, you know, as kind of dealing with it? The Dylan Roof murder of, uh, of the people in that church is different than historical guilt, white historical guilt mm-hmm. for slavery. It's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. The, 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 and, and one is manifestly more difficult to exercise. The fact that they, they were able to live through that actual experience and trauma. And then, uh, you know, what you, I agree with what you said, like seem to genuinely perform forgiveness as a community, uh, which is really just probably one of the most graceful things you or I will ever see in our lifetimes. I, I mean, yeah, I just, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's hard to imagine. Um, I mean, it actually kind of like moves me just thinking about mm-hmm. the kind of space that you have to operate in to even perform that, even if you're not fully feeling it. Cause of course they probably aren't fully feeling it at, you know, there's probably all kinds of uh, emotions that are mixed up in it. Yeah. So manifest, mm-hmm. manifestly more difficult. Let me just add that, but where, because secular culture in, as it currently exists, doesn't seem to have a mechanism for forgiveness. It means the historical crime of, of racism, which in whatever imperceptible way I can recognize that I have benefited from, right? And when I say imperceptible, mm. like difficult for me to locate the thing in space and time that benefited me. But clearly mm-hmm. the weight of history has benefited people that look like me and act mm-hmm. like me and talk like me. And so mm-hmm. and, and in all of those like ways that you – what you've talked about, the duck bite thing, you know, stuff like in mm. all of those ways that like – I've just been slightly more greased to move through the world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that that we can perceive that, mm-hmm. okay, how do we right. move past that? how do how do how do we forgive that mm-hmm. crime as as a culture, as part of our history, as an inevitable part? of our history with many like moments of grace and beauty that have emerged from that terrible history. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, it, mm. you can't go, it, you don't want to start getting into, would you trade this for that kind of stuff? But I mean, 
the the things that you know the, the James Baldwins that have been born out of mm-hmm. the weight of that pain. I'm not saying it's equivalent. It's clearly not equivalent. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I'm sure James Baldwin and any list of not any long list of other people would say mm-hmm. it's not equivalent and would have and would give up th- what they have experienced and produced because of that. Mm-hmm. But yet we have these objects of beauty. We have these moments of grace. We have these cultural patois because of that awful, terrible, like it's an inexcusable crime. Like we can, I can live in that space. I get it. There's no way to think about the stacked bodies going across the Atlantic yesterday, right? It was yesterday. It was super recent. This is what, this is the hard thing. Slavery has been here for thousands of years, but what, what the West and America in particular did to black bodies was yesterday. And so I get that it's more present for us. How do we, Forgive that. It seems to be a different mechanism to me than just forgiving the forgiving the Dylan Roof. Sorry. So I I don't have an answer, but I have our elements of what I think could be in the space. I'm not sure if it, the language in an amnesiac <laughs> amnesiatic state that the U.S. is that one can mm-hmm. forgive without remembering, without knowing, and so maybe not moving past mm-hmm. it, but trying to mm-hmm. one acknowledge it. I think that that's mm-hmm. what bothers a lot of people is that it isn't acknowledged. Um, I mean, and there's already just been pushed back on the 1619 Project. Hannah Jones, I forget her last name, the three names, was denied tenure at UNC recently. I know, I saw that, yeah. And so, and so <laughs> you think about the ways in which people don't want to, what I read, I read it in different, different, kind, uh, different kinds of ways. And one way I read that was, um, not wanting wanting to move past something without acknowledging that it happened in the first place. Because mm. that's a serious, it's not just like the 1619 Project just showed up. There have been books, there have been other things, but there's been mm-hmm. an enormous amount of pushback on what to teach in schools, what not to teach in schools. Mm. And so something that a friend of mine told me once is that if reparations ever came about in his lifetime, he would want it to be in the form of education mm. rather than money. Mm-hmm. And that it would be, mm-hmm. you'd have to take these classes, you'd have to do this. But right now, I feel like that there is, this is really weird space that we're living in where we don't want to acknowledge what's going on at the same time, return to good old days. And it's like, I don't know what to do with those feelings. I mean, not my feelings, but what those perspectives, I think, are very make America great again kind of nonsense. When, when was it ever great? Did so, something. So, <laughs> yeah, so, so, right, right. so, so, so let me, so let me ask this. I mean, it wasn't because, even great for white people. Let's just be clear. But go ahead. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. Landing on the moon, landing on the moon was pretty great. That was uh, you great. Know, I think there's, 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 I mean, purple there. rain is great. <laughs> I love no, that soundtrack. No, no, no. <laughs> the beats. Yeah, I love the yeah, beats. Yeah. Down, downtown <laughs> Abbey. Um, <laughs> um, this is my question. So when we talk about moving through uh, mm-hmm. moving through that kind of grief and that kind of pain uh, and acknowledging that original sin uh, mm-hmm. which is enacted on black bodies what, I wonder whether the films and the books and the stories that we're telling ourselves, you know, the color purple okay. Amistad um, if Beale Street could talk, mm. are these ways of acknowledging that crime 
or and and sort of slowly inching our way through the sort of cultural process of metabolizing it um mm-hmm. mm. and and which i think has to precede any sort of forgiveness we have to actually you know see the thing recognize what 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 crime occurred and then begin to not not um not foisted off, not foisted off the responsibility of it on other people, not um, evade it, not um, make it die in euphemism, like, oh, you know, slavery wasn't that bad. You know, some, some slaves mm. have really good relationships with their owners, that kind of thing. Is Do you that, remember Bill O'Reilly's thing about like the, the slaves that built the White House? Like they got to live in like different accommodations and all that stuff. Oh my god! The 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 twisting of the mind and the body and and it's just go wow! wow. It must be amazing to live in that head. I'm <laughs> just like, well, <laughs> well, amazing in quotes, right? But yeah. So yeah, so so is so are these attempts? You know, and it's hard to it's hard to talk about this because this is all kind of for me. It's all kind of group psychology, and I don't really have the handle or the tools to talk about um, mm-hmm. psychology that happens in that sort of larger set of parameters. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I can talk about my own psychology, but okay, but is this a way, I'm, I'm wondering whether these are ways to acknowledge that crime and to work through it, or are we rehearsing some ways of just sublimating it? Like we're putting all of that violence into films and into um, literary descriptions, you know, Beloved, for example. Um, mm-hmm. Are we putting that, is that a way for us to sort of put it somewhere and step back away from the crime and say, oh, that happened over there? And, or, or are we trying to actually acknowledge it and confront it? I can't I, tell. I'm not sure if that's the quote. So I can't answer that question. What okay. occurred to me while you were talking was it might be the only way to really deal with it through huh. the art mm-hmm. and then later through laws. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it, mm. it all feels like it's, it's like, how do you face slavery or how do you face sexism? How do you face homophobia? Mm. You know, how do you do those things? But I'll, st- I'll stay with slavery because I feel like it's, you know, it's what we're talking about here as an example. But I feel like what I appreciate about Jewish people going, we will never forget, and, and building monuments and museums and teaching mm-hmm. this to their children is that they are keeping it not a lot, well, keeping it alive, not alive in, you know, that it's happening now contemporaneously, but that it's hap- but it happened and it means something to us. Now, mm-hmm. yes. So yes. I like that, and, but I don't like it used, I don't like it weaponized. Okay. That's what I have a problem with. Yeah. Um, yeah, like like this yeah, is our hurt that is bigger than anybody else's hurt, and you absolutely. can't touch and our like, hurt, and you should mm-hmm. wait. Absolutely, yeah. and that's a problem. So, but yeah. I like the idea. It may be that art is. So Morrison said this years ago in a in a PBS short documentary about Beloved. She goes, mm-hmm. she goes. Well, you know, if your church, if your religion has failed you, your the 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 um, government has failed you. There are some things that only artists can deal with. And I was thinking that maybe the way that we deal with some of the more, because straight up just talking about slavery makes people anxious, sad, mm-hmm. angry, mm-hmm. all of these. Why are we talking about this? I don't know. So you want to see another slave movie? Well, you mm-hmm. haven't, by the way. You haven't fucking seen a slave movie. 
Right. You you seen a portrayal of something, right? So and also it's shaped in a way that there's usually a hero. There's some romance in it, and I'm not saying right. that that shit didn't happen. I'm just saying that you don't know some fucking slavery, right? right. So if this is bothering you, <laughs> right? Go be God, a slave. Right. How about yeah. that? Yeah. You know, but at the very least, the, the tensions around it. And there's always a think piece when a, a movie around slavery comes out, American slavery, and rarely do people even come close to. This was a complicated being, <laughs> a complicated event that continues to shape our social, economic, and political dynamics today. We do look at it as a, it went over there and he mm-hmm. got free. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, Harry, mm-hmm. take my hand. I've got a gun. Harry, is- boom. I never leave anyone else behind. I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not interested. I'm not, is- she's a human. You know, so anyway. Which is why the 1619 Project, for whatever um, uh, errors it made, is fundamental, I think, to mm-hmm. the process of acknowledgement. Because what it says is that it says it didn't happen over there. It happened here. And it's actually at the fulcrum of our socioeconomic, mm-hmm. cultural lives in the U.S. Today's conversation will pick up next week right where it left off. As always, thanks very much for listening.